Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. I'm Savannah. And on today's stupid episode, we talk about 2019's The Lion King. Josh, drink some more tea. Have some more energy. Gosh, we watched this movie, everybody. It was so good. I loved it. It was great. It really changed my life. It did. It did change my life in so, so many ways. <sighs> One hour and 58 Eight. minutes? Yeah. Yep, an hour and 58. And they went, nah, buck 29, too short. Let's add 30 minutes onto this sucker. It was necessary because I remember every change that they made. Was it necessary? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's yeah. what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, yeah. I've seen the film once. Uh-huh. However... <laughs> I've seen both films one time. However, while watching it, I wasn't like, huh, they added all of these things. Like, I'm trying to think of things that they added. And there's there's one thing. There's a journey. I'm going to... Okay, go for it. That forever. There's a journey that happens. Can I spoil this film? Uh, it's The Lion King 1994. Yeah. It's as old as I am. You can, we can, we're going to spoil The Lion King because who hasn't seen The Lion King? So sorry if you haven't. I'm not trying to make assumptions about your life. Uh, but The Lion King is, I think, a well-known story that we can spoil. That. Also, Hamlet's a thing that people study. So, yeah. The journey of the hair? That seemed different. Okay, so... Because I don't think the animated film would have taken 20 minutes just to get through. <laughs> it would not have done that with the journey of the hair. What it does is... Oh, Nala's spy? Spying okay, around? Okay, alright. That's on. also different? Hang on, yes. Oh gosh, Josh, I'm just... It, it takes an hour. Uh-huh. I was timing. It takes an hour for them to do a new scene in this movie. Beyond that, the first hour of this movie is other scenes that were that are drug out, slowed down, and expanded upon for no reason. Yeah. Um, they just sit there. They simmer. It's, it's a good simmer. Lo- it's a good simmer. It's a good simmer. You I know, think it's a bad it's simmer. It's a bad simmer. Um, it's a all right. long simmer. I knew that I was in trouble because moment one of the movie... Moment one of the animated movie uh-huh. is very Star Warsian. Very like instant up sunrise, ha! And we're just going. We are on board. Circle of life. Moment one, Lion King twenty nineteen. Up horizon, still silence for a good ten to fifteen seconds. Sunrise, ha! And I was like, "Oh, oh no! Everything is just going to be longer." Very Star Warsian. Yeah. It yells at us at the beginning. It does. It says, "Are you paying attention? I, you should listen." Now. I now have three movies that decide that the best way to start is yelling. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I mean, like, there's like eight Star Wars, but Star Wars is all one. Uh huh. Mortal Kombat, uh-huh. and now The Lion King. Uh, can you pull up the box office mojo top ten highest uh, films of movies that yell at you at the start? Oh, the eight of them are Star Wars, <laughs> but not Rogue One. Rogue One takes a very different tactic. Uh huh. It just says a galaxy in a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then and then we silently or very quietly descend to Bang and Mads. That's not what first happens. A ship comes down and well, you yes. see young Jin or no. Josh, if you're going to go piece by piece and explain what happened, you should be accurate. I am telling you the points that matter. <laughs> ben and Mads, we're here. 
guys, we saw The Lion King. It was there. 2019. Um, okay, uh, before, before we jump into full-on Lion King 2019... Uh, here is, uh, here, I, I have an inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite, which is Lion King adjacent. Uh, not adjacent, it's Lion King, it's full-on. Here we go. I don't think any, either of us on this pod, any of us on this podcast, liked this movie. But, in, on, in trying to be somewhat, uh, well-rounded, what's something about the Lion King 2019 that you liked? Seth Rogen's Pumbaa. Okay. Why Seth Rogen's Pumbaa? I felt that he was, a, aside from his spoiler singing, I felt that he was cast very well, and most of his jokes, if not all of them, got like a laugh out of me, mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty much the point of Pumbaa. Yeah. And so I just enjoyed what he brought to the character. Absolutely. Nice. Kelly, what's mm-hmm. something about the film you enjoyed? Nothing. You got not not one single thing? No. I'm going to say something. Okay. I don't care. (laughs) You're making Goldie so sad. For things that happened. I understand that they were like, look at what we can do with CGI. Okay. Okay, great. Cool. Congratulations. So, so maybe... Sorry, go on. You're in... Sorry, my bad, my bad. Congratulations. I... You have painted the picture... Great. I don't care <laughs> to sit there and watch this painting for two hours. <laughs> Hour 58. Uh, okay. Uh, regardless. Uh... <laughs> Wasn't Simba so cute as a little cub? No. I, no. What? Weird. Listeners, listeners, I'm going to, 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 I'm going to do some paraphrasing here so that Kylie gets an answer to this question. Okay. Gun though, to my head. <laughs> though she didn't need, she didn't like the painting. She saw that there was craft on screen. She recognized. She it. game recognized game. Oh, here's what I like. Here's what I like. Okay, all right, okay. Um, some animators were probably able to go home and feed their families. <laughs> hey, we found a positive. Mm-hmm. We did it. Silver lining. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Uh... I, I I think the animation is very well done. This is not a live-action movie by any means. Um, and I think that that is a positive of this film. It is also a giant negative of this film. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that as we go through as well. I'm going to say the thing that I liked is the other half of the duo, and that's Billy Eichner as Timon. Um, and for me, like this film was dragon. And I was like, oh, there's so much left of this movie. And then Timon and Pumbaa show up, and I got on board with what Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen were allowed to do because they were the they were the two characters that they specifically set for some reason. They're like, no, you can make your own choices. You get to make these characters your own. And while I spiritually think that they are Timon and Pumbaa, they are not beholden to the 94 original movie in the way that everything else here seems to be. And that allowed me to really enjoy their performances. And for me, Billy Eichner in specific, because, man, I think that dude can sing. Like, I legit was worried about, like, somebody... I had read ahead of time that there is a full version of The Lion Sleeps Tonight in this movie. 
and I was worried about it. And it actually ended up being really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, on board with it. And, yeah, so that's that's the thing that I enjoyed was the Timon and Pumas, specifically with Billy Eichner. But, yeah. Uh, listeners, uh... If you want to answer the inquiry of the Hesquare at Fortnite, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. No, get away from me. <laughs> you gotta give me a roar. It's laggy. You gotta give me a roar. <laughs> Why? No, no. Here's the thing. Oh, okay. I'm not going to. Oh, okay. okay. Why? Lions don't roar very loud. Uh And in fact, in 1994's version, it's Frank Welkner and Tigers mixed together to make the lions roars. It's not lion roars, because lions don't roar that loud. So, if I'm being photorealistic, I wouldn't roar. Yeah. (laughs) You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now, on with the show. Those are my thoughts. (laughs) MGM has lied to you. This has been my TED Talk. Yes. (laughs) Lines don't roar that loud. All right. Um, we usually start with expectations. So. I expected to hate it. Sly, what are your expectations going into the movie? I first expected to be bored by it, and then I thought I would be excited by it, and then I expected to be bored again. Um, I think when I first saw that it was announced, uh, my thought was there's no need for this movie. And uh, I still think there's no need for this movie. Um, oh, Disney's like selling its arms and its legs, it trying to stay afloat. Really is apparently this fledgling company that's not definitely not making seventy percent of the entire box office. It's fine. Um, Engulfing us all. And then it's the weekend. Uh, the top three at the weekend box office are Lion King. Spider-Man and Toy Story 4. Yeah, so, man. you know, they're not doing too good. Julie Taymor is having a good week as well. She's the she she's the Lion King person for, like, the she stage? She directed the stage version and of Spider-Man? The Lion King and Spider-Man. Turn, oh. turn off the dark? Yeah. Did oh. she help with this? She has an executive producer credit. Her and Thomas Schumacher, uh-huh. who runs Disney Theatrical, have EP credits on this. For what reason? I have no clue. The only element of the Broadway musical that I that they bring into this is the second song in the credits is sung by Lebo M, who's the original um, African composer who does a lot of the African words and music um, for The Lion King. He does a version of He Lives in You, which is from the Broadway version, but he does it in... Um, I, I am forgetting the name of the African language that he's singing in, but he's singing in a specific African language. So, yeah. Other than that, I don't know why they're credited. Okay. Um, cool. I, mean, I don't We credited think, them. We I can't think pay our movie, original writers. That's fine. Are they pay... What? No worries, Josh. That was Aladdin. Did they pay them for Lion King? I mean, they thank them all in Lion King. I don't know if they pay them all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to say they follow the rules of the guilds that have been set up. I understand. It's all legal. Yeah. It doesn't mean that legality means morality. You're not wrong, but we should also maybe be holding the Writers Guild under, like, hey, why don't you get better deals for your writers? I agree. You're right. Yeah. And Disney should be the company to lead it forward. Agreed. They have the most power. Yes. Listen, listen. You know, like, when they're like, we'll donate our money of penguins to the wildlife stuff. Yeah. 
Did they? Donate some of your money that the Avengers was going to make <laughs> to wildlife preservation. Can throw me some actual change here. Right. New plan. New plan. Marvel gets to keep the money from Disney Nature, and Disney Nature gets to keep the money from Marvel. Like, it's fair. Yeah. Hey, hey Chris, will you come narrate? <laughs> will you come narrate this documentary, please? We need some star power here. Uh, RDJ, you're not Iron Man anymore. Get over here and narrate this movie about bees. Uh, I don't now. know. The bees, they're buzzing. They're uh, hanging out. <laughs> yeah, you know, so exciting. Uh, That's exciting. <laughs> That's how it would go for I would watch an it. hour and a half. Bees sting you three thousand. Why not? Why not? Why not Jerry uh, Seinfeld <laughs> for the B movie? He's not in the MCU, Kylie. You have to go with the bit. Josh, I think it should be Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> I really don't think so. Thank you. Thank you very much. One thousand percent. No, I disagree with you. Three thousand. I don't care. <laughs> I'd, I'm not beholden to Morgan. <laughs> Maybe that's just my new thing. Everything is 3,000. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie loves this bit, 3,000. Uh, yeah, she loves... That's what I say to children. <laughs> I say that, oh, so often. They love this. You love doing this. <laughs> look how happy you... And then they start laughing. I'm like, look how happy you are. You're so happy about the math. I think you should... Con- I think this is a bit you should bring with you to, to your students. You should be like, you love this 3,000. And they're going to be like, you've seen things? Josh, say no. I wear this to work and I have my backpack. It's- Fair. <laughs> I don't need to, like, prove myself. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> we have to talk about the Lion King now, everybody. Why? What can we say that's different from what we've already known? They don't make facial expressions. Uh-huh. The voices are all disconnected. Okay. They are. They really are. <laughs> it's so like, bad. it's such a bad, like, oh. Oh, my gosh. When Simba is, like, sobbing over Mufasa, oh, my. I was just laughing because yeah. I couldn't. I was like, I hear him crying, but his face is so dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, but what? you're like, are you, are you, are you upset? Okay, this is where I want to talk about earlier about like the animation is stunning and mm. like it's great to go look at. But frankly, everything you need from this animation you get from the trailer. Just watch the trailer in whatever high definition quality you have. Call it a day. Um, it is the emotional moments where the animation fails this movie because you make this choice to be photorealistic and you make this choice to have us live in this real world and then you're asking us to suspend our disbelief when literally you're telling me that this is a real lion on screen and I'm like no or the one that bothered me the most was Zazu like his beak and I get this like this is what bird beaks do they just move up and down and up and down and up and down but it was so distracting to me to like this dude John Oliver with like proper British English and his mouth just like straight up and down like a marionette and I'm like this is annoying and bothersome to me and you're doing this to the point where like 
everything is so real that you are not allowing me to use my imagination and to go along with this. You are saying that this is a real thing. So therefore, anytime you do ask me then, well, suspend a little bit of disbelief for the talking animals. I'm like, no, you're telling me it's for real. And I'm not going to do it. (laughs) That's why I like Simone, Timon and Pumbaa's Mm -hmm. scene so much because they were the only actual animals that looked animated. Yeah. Like, just their mannerisms and everything. Maybe it's just the type of animals they were. I don't know what. We're but... too, we're, I mean, to me, warthogs are just kind of cartoonish anyway. Yeah. Like, and in meerkats. the real world, so. Yeah. He, look, he was a really, really Meerkats are very expressive too. animals, yeah. yeah. I'm watching the fish. It's far more interesting. <laughs> um. 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 Uh. I have thoughts. Yeah, tell me, tell me them. I remember leaning over to Anne at some movie preview. And I was like, in the animated one, don't like the lions do like cartwheels or something. How are they going to do this in this film? The lions? Yeah. There's musical numbers and like, so, I don't know, Simba's like doing a cartwheel in the air and like what you're referencing. dancing. Specifically what you're referencing is I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Sure. Hakuna um, Matata, he does, like swings on a vine or something. Yes, like, you're not there, wrong. There's acrobatics to this. Yes. Where in this, uh, the musical numbers where I don't I don't love the music of the original, which is fine. At least like when they do musical numbers, they're like... They go. They do something. But in this, it's just like, we're gonna walk and sing and walk and sing and walk and sing and run and sing and run and sing and rock and sing and sing and run and sing and rock and sing and running and sing. And we're in the middle of, can you feel the love tonight? And where does it all take place? During the day. I was so confused. I was like, are they gonna switch tonight yet? Oh, no. Okay. It's still daytime. Can you feel the love today? No, because it's been 30 seconds since you guys reunited. Because we watched this movie in real time. (laughs) I felt like I was there for years. So they add 20 minutes to this movie, and all they do is lengthen everything out. They don't bother to add any sort of real depth to the characters or any sort of... They they try to, I guess, add a subplot with the hyenas not just being Scar's um, hench people. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work because they don't give it any weight by adding any extra scenes to it. They just kind of basically allow, they, they, they film it in a way that gives the Shanzi character a little bit more presence and a little bit more prestige. And she's clearly the leader of the hyenas. And that's all they're doing to try to do this. To try to, to try to get that subplot across. But you are correct. We do feels like we're watching this movie in, in real time because we spend so much time getting from every beat from beat to beat to beat, which it's just the nineteen ninety-four movie. I don't love always just comparing everything to a nineteen to, to the old version, but this movie in particular feels so connected and so intertwined that you can't help but make those comparisons. And you can't help but watch this movie in the light of that movie. What do you mean for a nearly shot-for-shot shot remake? You gotta compare it to the original to some extent. It's and kind the of lines like, were yeah. almost all the same. Yeah, all the animals are all, almost all the same. This was all part of the issue with no, this the film. Lines. Like, oh, the, 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 the lines. Oh, the okay. lines. Okay, sorry. I thought yeah. you said the lions. The, it literally with the lines. Okay, I've seen the 1984 Lion King enough times to pretty much have that sucker memorized. I don't 
need to like rewatch it again to remember to remember anything. Um, it feels like all they did is they took the original shooting script and then they're just like, how can we add five or six lines to the end of this scene <laughs> to make it dumber? Yeah. To like spell out what's actually happening here rather than allowing the audience to have an emotional journey and engage with our film intellectually. We just want to tell them everything. They took a film that was really good at showing, not telling, and they told it. Zazu Babe. Zazu's Babe. Zazu's Babe. Yeah, Babe. I don't dislike John Oliver. He's doing a good Rowan Atkins impersonation. Here's what happened. (laughs) Here's what it is. I like characters that worry. Mm -hmm. They understand me. I understand them. We're worried. (laughs) (laughs) Especially about these dumb lion cubs. Uh, but even Sylvana and I had the same reaction of where sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I just give a thumbs up when something that I like happens and he, he flies over to Simba during the middle of the thing and he's like, we're getting you help. And we just went thumbs up and then he flew away. And I was like, this is good. Zazu is great. He's bae. He's bae. Um, he gets a lot more to do in the back half of this film than he does in the cartoon. I will give I'll give that film that. I was shocked that he wasn't locked up, but I was like, it makes sense that he's not because how would they lock him up? He's a bird. Well, and the hyenas threaten to eat him, so yeah. like he kind of has to go on this like covert spy role where he's like, "Lady lions, here's the morning report. I have to run away now." Yeah, <laughs> you're like, "All right, Zazu." There's no, no point there. in him getting more to do. Zazu is a perfunctory character. There's not. Uh, <laughs> something to be said about the Aladdin remake is that Jasmine actually gets a little bit more to do. Yes. However, Nala doesn't get anything to do. Well, they try. They yeah. certainly try. They just don't do well. They just fail. So some of the new scenes that are added are we spend more time at Pride Rock when Scar is in charge. Um, and with that, that's where we see Nala and Sarabi, uh, Simba's mom, uh, kind of having this conversation about how do we live under Scar's rule? And Sarabi says, this is our home. We must stay and protect it and do what we must. And Nala's like, no, dude, I gotta go find some help somewhere. And then she has an escape sequence where again, Zazu coming in as the hero. Bay. um but it doesn't it's not it doesn't add anything to this movie it's it's the reason that conversation is cut out of the animated film is because it's not important to the overall thread if you're not going to develop nala at the beginning as a character who should care about also Nala in the as child nala is only around to be betrothed Mm -hmm. to child simba that's the reason and her purpose to be there. So you can't spend time in the back half of your film where this movie particularly slows down. It, if there are things that are added, it's in the back half of this movie. Um, you can't try to build that character there. You have to do the work at the beginning, and they don't. Um, the music? I know you don't love the music. That's okay, though. I, that is okay. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like... I, I knew the music before I saw the film. Right. Because I was a child. And it existed yes. in the world. Uh, uh, and so, like, 
there was some there was always a disconnect from understanding the music with the story right. because like when you just hear Hakuna Matata and like there's a thing singing about farting or whatever you're kind of in like you don't understand the context of anything you're kind of just like what, the, what is this a Disney film about farting? <laughs> I mean, listen, Lion King is progressive. It's the first Disney animated film to feature a fart, so... Is it? Yeah, that's a true story. Mm. That is a true fact. I didn't need that. Yeah, you didn't know that. I really... Wow. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I understand why all the animators it's are trying to get on to Pocahontas. Not the reason the film is beloved, but it is a true story. Um, what do you think of the music from the original Lion King? I loved it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I also am in the Love It bandwagon, um, and I uh, something that surprised me that Timon and Pumbaa are my favorite parts of the 2019, because they're my least favorite parts of the 1994. Not that I don't mm. like them, but like Hakuna Matata is my least favorite song. Like if I'm just listening to the music, mm. I, like I skip that song. What's your favorite? Um, oh, okay, it's probably like who? Mine's Be Prepared, and I'm gonna say why. Okay. It is not played we are, ever. We're going to get to be prepared. Oh my god. Wait, gosh. no, no, I'm talking about the um, original. No, I know. Okay. Um, so, like, it depends on the day. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay, One day I like, do you feel the love tonight? Tuesday. Okay. Can the... you feel the love tonight? Oh, okay. No, okay. No, no, but you're not wrong. Because, like, in, a, in an average week, I can be like, Monday, I'm like... Circle of Lifetime, here we go, we're gonna be awesome. And Tuesday, we're still grooving, we're good, we're like, yeah, just can't wait to be king, all's great. And then Wednesday rolls along, and sometimes the kids are a little bit hard to deal with, and I'm like, be prepared, children, because if you don't <laughs> if you don't straighten up right now, are you gonna get like, some, I'm gonna eat you when these hyenas are coming for you. And then Thursday, you're just like, you need to like, can you feel the love tonight? Like, we gotta like, we gotta calm it down, everybody, we gotta love everybody, here we go, it's all good. And then Friday, we're back to Circle of Life. Exactly. Like, the, there's a song for every day of the week. The music of The Lion King is great. There's not. There's seven days of the week. Well, Saturday and Sunday, you just listen to them all on repeat. Feel it all. Okay. One of my favorite legit moments in, like, all of my directing ever was one summer stage. We were just playing Disney music, and, like, Be Prepared comes on, and all of the kids... Like, I'm just, like, rocking out to it over there, because, like, Be Prepared, legit, one of my jams. Like, I cannot tell you how much I love that song. Um, and like all the kids see me jam and they're like, get on the stage. And the stage was like these three platforms and they're like, be Scar. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like rocking out a Scar. And then all the children are like, we'll be your hyenas. And they're all like singing the hyena parts. And like, we're all just like performing, be prepared, like impromptu style. And it was like one of my favorite things. But that's the power of the music of The Lion King is there is, whether it be any of the songs and Hakuna Matata included, mm -hmm. There's something universal about all of them. There's something that that music just gets inside you and it makes you want to sing it and it makes you want to feel it and it makes you want to be a part of it. And it allows, and part of that is, is because when you do connect it to the film, it's all character driven. It is a hundred percent out of these characters and their emotions and their feelings. And there, it, it's that great use of a musical where I just can't wait to be king is what that this kid is feeling inside his bones. He has to express. And he does it in this way where it's not this like arrogant, prideful, like I'm going to be the king. But he's like, no, it's going to be super fun. And then his arrogance and pride comes from that stuff not being in check. And then we get Hakuna Matata, which is Timon and Pumbaa's wonderful mantra 
mantra, their motto about life, you know? And then, like, sure, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, pretty standard Elton John love song. But I don't care. I love it. But I, what I do love about that song is the intro and outro by Timon and Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. And that allows it, again, to be connected into this universe. And then, of course, there is um, Be Prepared, which is all of what Scar wants to do. And we get this wonderful imagery, which The Lion King 2019 has no imagery. It does not allow you to look at this movie and understand what these characters are feeling, doing, connecting, thinking, plotting, planning. It's got none of it. But in... The animated movie, it does. With Be Prepared, you see how he's ascending the rocks around him. And mm-hmm. as the things are exploding, it's it's showing you that the world is going it's to become that more he's dangerous. Prepared. And that he's prepared for it. And then you see, <laughs> you actually get this weird World War II Nazi imagery when the lion when the hyenas are walking in their wonderful rows back and forth and they're like going. And so you're just seeing like what kind of dictatorial leader he's going to be. And with I just can't wait to be king the animation it turns into that it becomes this giant like movement of the 90s because like we see that when he starts the song it goes from the naturalistic colors of the pride lands to these bright neon like reds and pastel greens and like all of these things that like become this 90s color palette and it starts here where they're like we don't need a real world to tell the song what we're gonna do is very similar to the end of into the spider verse where we don't need a, a coherent background the colors are going to just pop and feel through these animals and through these emotions and then and then there's the circle of life which is just this almost perfect moment of cinema where it is encapsulating everything about what this film is and is going to be all in this beautiful moment of birth of this new lion and when you do this in the 2019 version they extend it out they slow it down they're so insistent that you look at this new beautiful art that they've created that they don't have that powerful emotion. Like, I was literally so sad that sitting through the circle of life just made me feel bored. I was so bored. Yeah, and there's no energy and emotion behind it. So to me, that is how the music and why the music of The Lion King is so important to its story. Um, Because its story itself is it's Hamlet. It's it's been done over and over. There's also the whole like, did Disney still steal from Kimbo the White Lion like controversy? No, they didn't. It's an idea out there in the universe. Um, however, um, it's those elements: the animation, the vocal performances of the original, and the music that to me elevate the, the that above so much. And none of those things work or are spent time on in the 2019 film. This has been my TED Talk. Oh, I'm just reading Kimba. Kimba looks like more, it's more like the Jungle Book stuff then. So the controversy of Kimba the White Lion is that, so the animator who originally did Kimba is known as the Walt Disney of Japan. He literally like inspired and studied from Walt Disney. And so he's got two big things that are his, which is Kimba the White Lion and Astro Boy. And those are his two like big properties. And Astro Boy, yeah, it's it's Osamu Tezuka. Yes, and Astro Boy is kind of at the time was like on the level popularity level of like a Mickey Mouse. Like that's how popular of a character Astro is. So Kimba is a story of a lion in Africa, and there are definitely similar story beats, but it, it, saying that Kimba and the Lion King 
are the same story is basically saying that Star Wars and Harry Potter are the same story. Yeah, they're the hero's journey. That's what they are. Yes, this is. these are just basic hero tropes that are put into different forms. Um, there's also the things of like that his name's Kimba and his name's Simba. Simba is Swahili for lion. And they literally, with the Kimba, which was the first property, decided to just change it from Simba to Kimba. And they kept the word Simba. Like, it's, it's, there are reasons and explanations. Where the controversy comes in is in the late 90s, or the early, or the mid-90s when this comes out, Michael Eisner, head of CEO of Disney, is like, no, we don't know what Kimba the White Lion is. We didn't steal anything. We've never seen it. And he told all of the employees, like, that's the company line. We've never seen it. When, like, yes, there's proof that the people would see and know and do what this is, like, within the company that animator and Walt Disney have met, like, there is, like, many of the animators are like, yeah, I've seen Kemba, I know what it is, it's not what we're doing. And so, like, there's just, like, inconsistency. We're there. ripping off Shakespeare! <laughs> yes, yeah. We're, yeah. Anyway, sorry. When we rip something off, we go to the, <laughs> the source, the greatest source. But literally, like in if you look at the original shooting scripts, there's lines where they're quoting actual Shakespearean dialogue, and then they cut that out because they're like, no, no, Scar doesn't need to be this much like like um, the uncle. Like he should be. I love the original. Sorry, I'm not here to talk about 1994's Lion King. I know Savannah um, has barely talked. Savannah, why don't you talk for? had 20 minutes now. Alright, so... Kylie and I disagree on Seth Rogen singing. And I'm gonna talk <laughs> about why I like it. Oh. And here's why. We got a bold take coming. <laughs> because... And I said this to Kylie and she had an argument against that, which I'll also get to. I like that he doesn't sing as well as everyone else. Because it's just like, he's a warthog. He's, quote unquote, the grossest character in the film. Right. And he totally owns it. But he tries anyway. And Timon's like, yeah, go for it, man. Like, we'll do it. I don't even care if you sing bad. Like, whatever. Have fun with it. And so he does. And he just goes for it. And even though it sounds horrible, (laughs) it adds to his character. And it just makes it more unique to this film specifically. And I just think it's great that he just sings. That wasn't your argument, though, in the oh, yeah. theater. Oh, yeah, my argument was that it's nice that of a movie where pretty much everyone can sing, there's that one person who can't sing. And then she, was, she said, well, that would be like saying in a... What did you say something about? That would like, be like act- putting someone that can't act acting. in a movie because not everyone in the world can't act. Right. But I feel like acting and singing is not necessarily the same. It's not it's not about like how well a person sings. It's just about getting I feel like when you put songs in when you have a musical but specifically just songs in a film because I feel like this isn't really much of a musical at this point. So if it was like, like we're watching eighth grade and the girl started singing, she might not be that good. Yeah. Yeah. However, I think that there's a difference between a musical, because this is a musical. It's trying to be a musical. Yes. Yeah. They're singing their inner thoughts. They're right. not just singing because, like, there's a difference between 
diegetics and non-diegetics, where mm-hmm. diegetics is in the world mm-hmm. and exists in the world. Right. So that would be like if I just started singing and all of you guys could hear that and it was all like natural. Like mm. score and things are non-diegetic and the like singing in this is non-diegetic because it's not supposed to be like this natural thing. It's them sharing their inner thoughts and inner monologues. Some musicals are diegetic in things like or they have moments of diegetic, like The Sound of Music has moments of like Edelweiss is a diegetic song. However, Do Re Mi is a non-diegetic song. And Cabaret is a great example because that mixes both of those because Mm -hmm. like when they're on stage singing to the crowd, that's diegetic. And when they're singing about a pineapple, that's non-diegetic. Another good example within even like the Disney uh, reimaginings canon is The Jungle Book because there's only one or two songs that are actually make it in there and it's all like Baloo is humming the bare necessities mm-hmm. because like that's just a tune that he hums and then King Louie is I think singing I just can't I don't know I just can't wait to be king um, I want to be like you mm-hmm. um, but that's he's just doing it to himself it's kind of like a little bit of like a crazy monkey you know yeah. kind of thing um, whereas in The Lion King um, it is more of a musical now I hear what you're saying and I, like with Timon and Pumbaa in specific in this movie it feels more like yeah they're just kind of people and characters so it makes sense that Pumbaa wouldn't be the best singer in all the land and I'm not really willing to say that many people in this movie are the best singer in all the lands nor do their voices blend all that well nor do they try all that hard um, but um, yeah, this it, 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 for me that's why I would be like no he probably should sing a little bit better however I will say this his terrible singing voice doesn't bother me no I also don't think that I was like Ugh, Seth, I don't think I left being like Seth Rogen is the reason why this film doesn't work <laughs> I'm pretty sure that in every singing and every moment of the film I had the same response to everything that was happening as to Seth Rogen he just met the same bar <laughs> as the rest of the underperforming of this film because like John Oliver, no great shakes either. He is that's fine. Zazu talks things. Zazu talks things, and that's fair. The one that bothers me to an extreme is what they do to be prepared, um, oh which God. is a song that they almost completely rewrite. Um, about the only thing they keep is the chorus. Um, and I don't know if it's because uh, Trisiel Ejiofor just can't sing, won't sing, didn't want to. I don't know. I don't know why they made this choice. But he kind of patter speaks along to a rhythm, which again is similar to what um, Jeremy Irons and um, Jim she- Cummings are doing in the original Be Prepared. Because it is a lot of speak singing. Isn't it like Jeremy Irons does most of the speak singing and then Jim Cummings comes in and tries to do a little bit more of yes. the sing singing? Yeah, absolutely. Because Jeremy Irons couldn't hit that. And so they kind of blend it there and also in one of the recording session days uh, Irons was suffering from laryngitis and like mm. couldn't. So Cummings does a lot of it as well. So they, that's a blend of two performers there together. And the in the 90s Disney would do not that I think this is the best thing in the world because there are definitely some problematic issues with this choice at times but what they would do is they would choose like a famous actor to be the, the voice and then somebody who could sing mm-hmm. to be the singing voice. And my yeah. brain's like well why don't you just do the singing person for the whole voice but whatever. Right. Um Roger Bart. Yeah, there you go. That's Roger how we Bart. got Roger Bart. That's Hercules. Um, Young Hercules. That's what yes. they did for Moana's dad. Mm-hmm. That's what they did for Mulan, even though... No, Mulan herself could sing. It's Shang? 
No, they did it. So I don't know if Ming Na Wing can sing. No, they had two um, different. Oh, they had two. It's for it's for Shang. Um, yeah, they Shang did it with has... Beatty Wong, who is a Broadway actor who can sing beautifully, and they put in Donny Osmond. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But like in the 1994 version, they have Matthew Broderick, who, who Broadway actor, yeah. and they have Nathan Lane at some point who can sing. He's a Broadway actor. Producers. Um... <laughs> They're together even. Um, they continue their tradition of casting Broadway actors in this. Now, what I will say is a problematic choice, and I don't remember the original actors, the original voice actor's name, but for The Lion King 94 with young Simba, they cast Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and they have a young African-American actor who was a famous kid actor at the time who is the singing voice for Simba. And the, the complaint now is, well, why didn't you just get the kid that could sing who was also a famous actor who was of African descent to play this role instead of Jonathan Taylor Thomas? It's like, fair enough in that, in that complaint as well. Um, transitioning a little bit to reasons why Lion King 2019 could exist. So we saw Aladdin and we saw Dumbo. And I will say that both of those films justify their existence by taking some ideas and elements of the original movies and films and adjusting them to a contemporary lens and a contemporary audience. For Dumbo, that is erasing a lot of the racism and the elements there. And for Aladdin, that is making Jasmine actually be a character, a self-actualized character, not just a love interest. Lion King has no point to exist. They're, no. they're not doing anything. And to me, and I'll speak just from what I believe is true, by simply casting the film as a more diverse cast, that doesn't address any of the issues, the problematic issues that were there in the past. It's a step, it is a step in the right direction, but it doesn't justify them needing to remake this whole movie. We're done, minus Little Mermaid, but that's coming. We're done with the big ones, the big Disney Renaissance ones. Um, all that's left Mulan. is so Mulan's coming, mm -hmm. um, and we're just left with this B tier and then classic. And I'm okay if you do some classic stuff because a lot of that can use some updating. It's mm -hmm. not going to like as Kylie says, these are never gonna erase the original stuff, and I agree with that completely. The B roster of the modern stuff, which includes a lot of the like Atlantises and Treasure Planets and Tarzans and and uh, Pocahontases to a degree, all I think have their issues and could use some help there. And this is interesting because like you mentioned Mulan, I actually saw the I saw the Mulan trailer for the first time in front of the Lion King. I like that trailer a lot. I'm actually good with the fact they cut the music. They cut Mushu, or at least in the trailer, this is what seems to be true. They've said that in articles. Um, okay, too. yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good choice for Mulan. Let that live as its own. This was our adaptation of Mulan. And let's let somebody else. This is why I think the Jungle Book works, and why something like Pete's Dragon works, and why I think Cinderella to a degree works. Let, let that live on its own thing. Mulan is such a big, timeless like story that's so specific to a culture that just let that let that culture tell its story in the way that it wants to tell it right now, you know? And and if it's a big kind of war film and we just put Mulan at the center of that, I I love that choice personally. 
um, use the themes of reflection or the themes of, you know, um, I'll make a man of you in the film, but make it its own thing. Solid. On board. Yeah. The, one of the things I dislike about The Lion King, too much like the 94 movie. And seeing, seeing the Mulan trailer, and it's just, it's like a two minute trailer. So it is, it's not a, a teaser trailer. There's not a, tough to, a lot to go off of, but it feels like Nikki Caro seemed mm. to care yeah. about putting similarities to that of Asian films. Like there's some styles in there that are similar and like even just the action scenes I was watching it and I was like, this is somewhat similar to films that have come from Asia. I agree with that. And something else that I really liked about that trailer is it seemed to me that was the first time that I watched a Nikki Caro trailer in a while. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the same lady that did Whale Rider. Like, it's finally like, and, I'm seeing... And? And? Uh, McFarland USA. Yeah. But I don't see McFarland USA in here. This was actually, a, <laughs> this was like a good, a good thing over here. I like McFarland, but like... What I mean by that is Whale Rider is distinctly a movie that has a specific voice, and I'm seeing that in this Mulan trailer. Whereas, like, Queen of Katwe and McFarland USA, good fun movies, but very studio movies. And so I think her voice is coming through again here in the Mulan trailer. What if we just trust people to make good films? What if we just... Okay, can I, can I, can I, can I tell you my hope? Here's my hope. <sighs> Kevin Feige. I know. We're back tomorrow, everybody. Kevin Feige has started this thing. Well, no, 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 you gotta stay with me. 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 About phase four announcements. We're gonna talk about it on an episode. I haven't heard it. Okay, we're gonna talk about it on an episode. No, we're not. We're never gonna talk about it. It was gonna be one of my banter things. We got this. Okay. Okay. Kevin Feige. Sometimes friends worry each other. Sometimes friends worry each other. Has done this thing in Mar in in MCU movies with James Gunn and with Ryan Coogler and with Taika Waititi. But what he's allowed oh, okay. them to do is he has allowed them to be their own singular voice playing in the MCU's style book. Basically, he said, "Here's our style guide. Make me a movie." Who are the people you said? Uh, James Gunn. Okay. Ryan Coogler. Taika Waititi. Okay. Um, and I think that maybe Disney, hope of all hopes, even with Favreau, I think they might have done this a little bit, is seeing that as let's get directors with unique voices, and I think Nikki Caro is one of them, and allow them to play in our style guide, but make their own movie. Yeah, I think that, I think that that works, uh, uh, John Favreau might be the exception, but in the beginning, it was a little bit more like you play by our rules, yeah. and so like, like the directors on a lot of these older ones, like older quotations of of the first couple of ones, their styles aren't as clear. Mm -hmm. There are some things like Kenneth Branagh brings Shakespeare to Thor. He tilts the camera every other shot. <laughs> and then, like, with Winter Soldier, because it's a war film, they put a little bit of war aesthetic to it. Um, I think that, yes, it, it it took them a little bit of time to kind of, like, reach out to directors with a little bit more of a mm -hmm. different taste. Which is why Guardians of the Galaxy exploded, because, like, we had seen the Marvel films and we had liked them up to that point. Mm -hmm. And then that one came up and we were like, whoa, this is something very new and different and i think that 
Disney might have not yeah. sat down and thought, what if we get some unique takes? I thought that do- redoing the Jungle Book was actually a really good idea. Um, for the fact of every... I shouldn't say every. That's It's, it's not true because I've only seen like two. But in a lot of cases, the Jungle Book story that they always tell is Mowgli and his brothers. Mm-hmm. In some regards. Brothers being wolves? The, the name of the story that they're based oh, on. Oh, okay, yes, okay. It's is called Mowgli and His Brothers, which which is the one where it's like mostly like dealing with Shere Khan and stuff. And they change the ending because the ending ends with Mowgli being like, I am man and you are nothing but beast and blah, blah, blah. And they change that, even though I like the original. It doesn't matter. Yes. But, it's a, but there are so many other Jungle Book stories to tell. Yeah. That maybe with the sequel, we can actually go further away from the animated classic. Because more or less, it's still like the animated and blah. They're so similar that like you can actually take it in a different direction. And it looks like... It doesn't look like with Mulan, they're taking it in too far of a direction. But they're taking it in a different direction, at least. Dumbo, I haven't ever seen. But it seems like it's mostly the same. But they remade the film twice in the same (laughs) film. You're not wrong. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful that in the future these Disney remakes can can learn some lessons, because um, even something like Pete's Dragon, which I don't think is completely a David Lowry film, but it feels like David Lowry who did Ain't Nobody Saints, A Ghost, Ghost Story, Story, and I feel like there's one more of his. I just don't know the old man is. and the gun. That's what it is, and I'm not gonna say that Pete's Dragon like feels like those movies, but it it it, it it's slower paced and it it's it's a kind of more grounded story than a lot of the rest of them, you know? And so, yeah. To a point where, like, when you made your live-action film list... I forgot. Like, ranked, yeah. And I was like, Josh is missing something on here, because I've yeah. seen this list before, and he's missing. It was Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon also is not as far in our lexicon of, like, Disney animated mm-hmm. classic. Which is why... And so, they've been announcing that they're in talks to do a Treasure Planet... Um, live action and and i'm like i'm actually i don't love the original treasure planet not a great movie Mm -hmm. um though it is musker and clements like their passion project they wanted to do they had like six movies in order to get to that one but they got there make a passion project Um, that's terrible it's fine it's called a blank check uh, i actually think that that's a movie that could could actually benefit from a live action remake because that's a wonderful idea. Like Treasure Island in space is a really fun idea, and to do that live action, I think would be really fun. You know what we don't need to redo? Um, Atlantis. Peter Pan. No, true story. Uh, Been done. Peter Pan. No, Peter Pan. It, it, Peter Pan in itself, for a lot of writers is that they, like, at some point in their writing career, they're like, I'm going to take a whack at this whole Peter Pan thing. (laughs) And that's why I feel like we have a thousand Peter Pan things. And I like the original book to some extent. It's not perfect. I like the original movie to some extent. It's got some of its politics of the time. But I don't think that it harbors for a remake. Unless we're going to... the thing about it that they, it always feels like they want to improve upon is the treatment of, the the argument is they're not Native Americans because they're in Neverland, but they're essentially based off of Native Americans. And right. so, like, that's the thing that they're like, we're that's what we want to fix. 
But then we make Pan and we get... Oh, what's her name? Wendy? Uh, Rooney Mara. Mar- Mara to play Tiger our Lily. Tiger Lily, which like... Oh, they. Oh, we're talking about one that's already been done? Yeah. Okay. They've, they've already they've okay. been tried. Good. Well, they've it wasn't tried. Disney themselves. Okay, but, okay, okay. But like, we, yeah. we've done quite a few things yeah. playing with Peter Pan. Okay, this it, it brings up an interesting question to my brain. We A lot of times we ask the question of like... Let's just make what, a Tiger Lily movie. Yeah, let's do it. Um, oh, what... Should Disney do as a reimagining? But here's what shouldn't they do? And not for reasons of like it's precious to me. Don't touch the original. What shouldn't they do for like reasons of like this is a bad idea. Society doesn't need this. Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the one that came to originally to mind, the first thing that popped up was Pocahontas. Which and, is, they are in talks about doing. And here's what I want to say is that I don't think. And that's not me saying that I don't want any representation of Native Americans, but I think that with Pocahontas, they when they made the film, they seemed so afraid to give Pocahontas any character flaws, mm-hmm. that she's just this perfect kind of bland character. I don't think that Disney has the fortitude to go through and actually show the mistreatment of our past of Native American characters. I don't think that Disney would want to take that hard of a stance. I agree. And so I think that what Disney should do is maybe tell a different story of Native Americans and whether you bring in American settlers or not, that's there to deal with, or even make a more of a modern kind of thing. I want more Mm -hmm. representation of Native American um, and... The, the three that I always, I, 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 I root for, and that's not to say I don't want other representation, but I think that the conversation isn't as open to Asian representation, Native American representation, and Middle Eastern representation. That is, those are three that I don't mm-hmm. think that we are cheering for as much or like really standing behind yeah. as often. And so I want them to kind of incorporate this more, but I don't think that Disney is going to do justice to what they need to do. They don't have the guts. Well, I said fortitude. (laughs) Well, and like, I would say that if you are going to do a Pocahontas remake, I would say that what you need to do is, you need to, you need to ignore the other film. Because the other film is, in my opinion, eventually we are going to look at that Pocahontas as we do look at Song of the South. Like, in its time, Song of the South was not a racist film, and it was not something... It was actually... Walt Disney loved the Uncle Remus stories, and he wanted to present them out to the world and say, look at this wonderful thing that is made. And he's not coming at it from a racial aspect, but it is racism, Mm -hmm. and it is racist. I think Pocahontas, the original, though not its intent is going to eventually look like that, especially with the inclusion of songs like Savages and the representation on the screen and that, that yes, they did consult with Native Americans at the time, but the Native American community has pretty much almost universally gone against the people who they consulted on this film and said, like, no, this is not what we want our representation to look like and be. So they need to ignore that film. And this might actually be a really good time to say there are Native American filmmakers Native American actors, there are Native American people. 
Tell the story of Pocahontas that you want to tell. And understand that we need this to be a PG film. And that's, I think, where you're saying it can't be and it won't ever be correct at that point. But I, I would say, I would hope that there's a way to tell that story and and do it correctly. And that's why even I've said, like, maybe not maybe not tell a Pocahontas yeah. story. Tell a different story and what, give that voice in their own and way. And this might come a little bit from me, from a little bit out of ignorance, but, like, the other famous kind of Native American story mm-hmm. that I can think of is the Sacagawea story... And I'm wondering if maybe, like, that's a better story for them to tell out there. If there's a way that that can be told in a way that is more family-friendly to start opening up that conversation, mm-hmm. you know? The be- I mean, the only time I ever remember of any representation is that Sacagawea is in uh, Ninth Museum. Yes. Where mm-hmm. there's... Uh, Lewis and Clark, and they look like buffoons, and Sacagawea is there to get stuff done. And then, isn't she, doesn't she have a love interest of Ben Stiller for a little bit? Not Ben Stiller, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, alright, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if it's a president, I mean, yes. (laughs) Um, My answer to the one that I don't think they should do is Bambi. Because... No, we show the hunter this time. Because we know they're going to use this dumb live action photo real animation style. And I'm sorry, I don't need to traumatize a whole new generation of children about Bambi's mom being like a real deer being dead. It is hard enough to watch Mufasa's death in The Lion King. I, I know exactly where it's going to come and how it's going to come. I'm like, this lion's real. This lion looks real and it's gonna die. Like, my palms are sweaty because of it. Like, I laughed out loud and a mom in front of us <laughs> turned and looked at me. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I don't know what made me laugh. I don't it's I, the timing. It's, the it's timing. anticlimactic. It is. It's anticlimactic. It's the timing. Again, if they draw out the moment instead of, like, cutting to. Oh, sorry. Anyway, so, like, Bambi, I don't need this in my life. I don't need. Uh, the hunter appearing on screen or not appearing on screen. I just don't need Bambi's mom dying and watching that happen. Also, we'd have similar Lion King problems. Uh, also in Bambi, there's a weird Twitter painted sequence where I'm like, ooh, the gender politics of this sequence suck. Wait, what? Uh, so there's what? a sequence, it's the Twitter painted sequence, where in spring, the young animals, Flower, Thumper, and Bambi, become... Young adult animals, young adult male animals, and we're dealing with 1940s politics here. Mm-hmm. And so in the springtime, the animals become Twitter-pated, which basically means they fall in love oh. with another animal, and they start lusting after this other animal in order to mate. And then basically then it falls back on all of the, like, Men are like this, and women are like this, and women do this to the men to make them do this. And I'm like, ugh, I don't need this in my life. It's not fun to watch. What if Um, they kept it purely animalistic? Yeah, it would just be like watching the Discovery Channel. Another reason I don't need this movie. (laughs) Savannah? I already said Lilo and Stitch. Oh, Lilo and Stitch. Do you have any, like... Actual answers? No, no like, that's no, an actual wow. answer. Okay. Yeah. okay. Like, um, follow-up is the word I was looking <laughs> for. As I say, elaborate. I don't... I think it was a while ago, but I just saw online... there they Someone, like, create like drew a hyper-realistic version of Stitch, oh, and that terrifying. just scarred me for life. But anyways, I just feel like... 
the original story tells you gives you enough about like Hawaii like and I don't want to say Hawaiian culture I want to say like the specific culture that someone would experience while living in like a not quite city but like a suburby town in Hawaii and they are a tourist attraction. Yeah. I actually there's a, actually a deleted scene that I wish they had included in the movie where they're at the beach and there are all of these like tourists there and Lilo's like, Ugh, I hate all these tourists that are always here. Mm-hmm. And so she turns on the tsunami alarm. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets rid of everyone. And that like like part of I like I like that scene. Oh, I would have too. I love Lilo. And because like it also helps Stitch connect to Lilo because it shows like, oh, so she's right to do, but also she's a little stinker like I am. And so like like chaotic neutral. (laughs) Yes. Though I do understand why from the Disney point of view, they're like, we need to cut this scene. (laughs) Um, It is. They also changed the fact that they are in a city to a more of a mountainous area because of 9-11. The scene where the the ship is flying and it turns sideways it was supposed to go in between a bunch of buildings, and they changed it to mountains after the incident. They also adjusted it because it was supposed to be an airplane, an Earth airplane, mm-hmm. and they changed it to a spaceship because of the 9-11 incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, like, the thing that also might be why they cut the siren-y thing because, yes. like, of, a, of an emergency and It's stuff. also not a good look to be like, hey, children, go pull a fire alarm when you're annoyed. Not a good look. Well, she could have gotten in trouble for it. We could, we could. She gets in trouble for a lot of things, <laughs> but not with the law. But not with the law. Yes. Well, kind well, of. Mean, bubbles is kind of the law. Okay. True. True. Uh, we have not talked much about Lion King for a while. That's fine. What more do we need to say? There's not a lot. I don't remember it. It's a shallow film. Like I'll, I'll say what I said. So my 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 review on Letterboxd is um, that. Watching The Lion King is like going on a date with somebody who you find super physically attractive, but is not interesting. That that's The Lion King. Hey, my 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 biggest fan is back. He keeps liking all my things. Yeah, <laughs> from like the past. He likes my one star review of Ghost Story. <laughs> oh no! I don't like a ghost story, Josh. I'm I sorry. Know. It's, it's fine. okay. I like a ghost story. I know. I don't love it, but like, oh, that Piscean. I, yep. <laughs> so good. It might be some of my favorite acting. Period. <laughs> like, just the commitment. Josh, to, I, uh, we're not talking about it right now. <laughs> Alright, everyone. Eat a full pie. <laughs> Alright, everyone. Do you have any final thoughts? I didn't hate. Okay, so I didn't think I would hate Scar, but I didn't think he watching him would be as bad as it. What? No, I didn't think I would like him as much as I did, which is not a lot, but I did like him more than I thought I would. Um, he probably had the most quote-unquote character of all of the lions. Yeah. This movie sucks. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry that I have to say it that way, but in particular, all the things we talked about with the, how the story is told, the pacing, 
the performances are all pretty weak. Uh, I mean, even the ones that I enjoy, I can find fault in. Um, whereas in the 94 one, the performances are something that really, really holds it up. I was excited for this cast, and a lot of them seem like they folded in. Particularly, I I'm sorry, Beyonce is amazing at many things. Being an actor is not one of them. She struggles with being an honest, emotional person in a vulnerable person because that's not her personality. She's not a vulnerable person in her performance, and that's great. I would say with an acting performance, more or less with a like in her song singing performances. That's, yeah, I think that she shows more emotion, but I think that there's a difference between. And I'm not not even like in this film. But, like, in her yeah. music career, she shows a lot more vulnerability. There's a, there's a difference between being able to do that as a musician mm -hmm. and as an actor. And I just don't think she has that ability. And that's not a real slight that's there. Um, James Earl Jones um, sounded like the, any line that was in the first film, they just they put he, – he didn't re-record. Um, Donald Glover was given nothing to do and didn't try. Um, I, I'm sorry. Like, it's because like, adult Simba has, like, four seconds of screen time. But But – in that way of, like, Matthew Broderick, no great shakes. Probably one of the weaker parts of that movie as well. Is, does you mean after Mufasa's death, the film kind of, like, slows down a little bit? Because we have to do with Pema and Puma and... Sure, yes, we have to deal with Rose and Grants and Guildenstern and Gold, do all that stuff. It's fine. Um, this one slams the brakes even harder. Because the animated stuff has the Rafiki sequence afterwards, which works really well. Anyway. Um, yeah, Rafiki's not cray-cray. Watch, he's not. I know, I miss uh, John Connie, great Rafiki. Wish you would have kept the actual Broadway choice. So ever since the original film, Rafiki has been a female character, and I just like that choice a lot better. I think it makes a lot more sense. Also, get some more females in this cast, which has very little. Um, I don't know. This watch the '94. This is not worth your time. If you want to see the visuals, watch the trailer. It's actually really well cut. Keen Peel. We're funny. And it's just key. It's, it's just not key. Peel. It's not oh, peel. what? Yeah. He plays the same character. Two characters. No, it's no. a different guy. It's, it's just Andre. Uh, yeah. Eric Andre. I don't remember what his name is. He's but. the guy in the meme who's like <laughs> outside of a gate and he's yelling, "Let me in! Let me in!" It's that guy. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I thought I was wrong, but uh, for a I moment wearing, I thought it was. I, was I thought Eric Andre. Eric okay. Andre. Mm -hmm. For a moment, I thought Keegan was doing two voices. I thought he was both the male lions for a second, and I was like, oh no, that's a different person. Yeah. Well, I, I caught on to Keegan, uh -huh. and then this other person, I was like, that's not Peel. Oh no, I what? It, I thought it could be, because when you hear him in, um, what's it called? Toy Story 4? He's bunny. Oh, duh. Okay. I feel like I've just seen him do a lot of different voices before, yeah, so I was like, it fair. could be him. What are your final thoughts? <laughs> Would not elaborate, <laughs> articulate. Uh, since that was the first time that Disney ever put a fart in a movie, <laughs> I'm gonna. This is my first time ever to saying uh, that this movie's a fart. Uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There we go, friends. If you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? Hey, you know what? If you genuinely love the, this Lion King remake, or you like it even, I would love to hear what it is that you like about it, and come tell me. Come be a part of the conversation, because I would love to hear it. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, another thing that this had to overcome, and it d never overcame, is that in my childhood and to today, uh, a rash, irrational, I don't know, it's a fear 
I don't I don't like big cats. Like jungle cats. Ooh, hard pass. Hard pass. So like we saw a leopard for a second. Yeah. I was so excited. I screamed at one point because a lion <laughs> like jumped out of nowhere and it freaked me out cuz I don't I don't like big cat. I don't like nature documentaries cuz I don't like is, watching big animals. I is, don't like zoos because I don't like big cats. So well, powerful. I also don't like like zoos cuz of like let them they're roam zoos. free. Yeah. But like no, I don't I don't like being around like big animals. <laughs> like big cats. Is Charlie the lion? That's a cat I could like. If like if Charlie like I mean not like just playful attack, but if Charlie like actually comes from my throne, I'm pretty sure I could take him down. You could. If Charlie has murderous intent, I a, will win. He's a big boy. He he's thick. Like I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna step on him and keep him down with one. No! If he has bloodlust, Josh. <laughs> if he's rabid. Yeah, I'm taking down your cat. I'm sorry. Just, the, just the, no. The bloodlust of Charlie Weasley. Well, yes. yeah, you, you have made it sound like he's gonna attack me and like try to kill me. So I'm gonna I'm defend not. myself. I'm just saying. You asked is Charlie the wine. <laughs> you were saying that you were afraid of big cats in general, not if big cats were attacking you. Yeah. Well, he's a house cat. He's not a big cat. Fair enough. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five-star review or any star review. Uh, also, hit that subscribe button. Shere Khan terrified me as a youthling. He was... He oh, was, me too, man. Oh. Um, oh, I saw a puppet show. No! Of oh, the Jungle Book, and that was the worst time of my life. I'm so sorry that That's saw that. That's probably why I hate puppets and big cats. But you big can cats help us also get more listeners by doing that. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of Friend Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at... DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Darby A.C.T. and Kelly Galsher. Thank you so much for listening. Sly, got any contact information? Vanna at Letterboxd. There you go. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. I also didn't like Jumanji because of that tiger, that lion. Ooh, no. <laughs> I've been Sylvana. Quack, 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 quack. quack, quack. <laughs>